Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. If I had to use a word to describe uh, Phil, it's inappropriately dressed. <laughs> it's, it's, it's mild and wet outside and he's wearing short shorts and, uh, and a tight t-shirt. They're, Jay, they're if not I, short enough for my liking these no, shorts. No, <laughs> And if I had to use a, a word to describe JB, it would be smug. He's got the, he's got the sort of air of... Have you, have you seen that Sony... Xperia phone advert. Oh, I hate that advert. <laughs> it's, it's got a guy's face, and he's just looking. He's just looking at you with a slight smug smile. He's got headphones on, and the strap line says, "I can hear things you can't." <laughs> I can hear things you can't. I assume that's because he's got a. Is it tinnitus or? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, labyrinthitis. <laughs> yeah. well, JB's got a face approaching that level of smugness. So, without further ado, hands in pod on three. One, two, three. Pod. pod. And yeah, you might have guessed that I think Wales might have something to do with JB's smugness. But we'll get to that in a moment. It's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. We are two weeks from the World Cup. This is, uh, yeah, just over two weeks to the World Cup. This is, I'm, I'm so excited. I, ca- I cannot wait. Uh, just let me get the housekeeping out of the way. You can find us on iTunes or on the Acast app. And thank you very much for the reviews. You got us up to number 11 in the iTunes sport chart. So out of every, sport, every sporting podcast on planet Earth, we were number 11, and thank you very much for that. That just shows that there's a big passion for Rugby Union, and we love the game as much as you do, and that's why we're going to talk about it. At Rugby Podcast is where you can find us on Twitter. A few headlines from around the game to get us going then, boys. And let's start with the news. Uh, Sam Stanley has... Well, I mean, he's been reported that he is the first openly gay Rugby Union player, and I thought it was appropriate to start with this. It's Pride Weekend, the bank holiday Monday that we're recording this. Um, he's come out. Um, James Haskell's also been involved uh, in Pride Weekend by doing a anti-homophobia photo shoot for the magazine and, uh, you know, getting painted up with his top off in a, in he a rainbow. magnificent, by the way. Magnificent. He did, he did look good, didn't he? Yeah, I've got a confession. I was, I was once caught by the Manchester Spartans uh, trying to steal some... Who are... A... Who are the local gay team. Yeah. Um, trying to steal some of their kit. So I was in Stockport, Rib- Stockport Rugby Club. <laughs> <laughs> they had all disappeared off to the showers. I, right. Yeah, I was busted. <laughs> but they've got lovely kit. Um, uh, well, as you would expect. <laughs> stereotyping, G. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, on the one hand, I'm like... But you know what? Fantastic. Well done, Sam Stanley, because you're opening the, the floodgates for people to, and you're telling your story, and hopefully that will give other people confidence. There is a little part of me that's like, well, of course, all his teammates at Ealing Trail Finders and all his former England 7 <laughs> They're his mates. Of course, they're all fine. <laughs> of course, they're all fine as is being reco- reported. Because, yeah, like you say, they're, they're his more... mates, and, and this is rugby. Wouldn't it be more yeah. newsworthy if he was getting lynched? I mean, I think that would be, <laughs> be unusual. Like, they tried him to the, tied him to the back of a discovery and dragged him around the, yeah. around the ground. I can't believe you'd expect 
it's anything else. No, like, and it has nothing to do with rugby either. So if you are yeah. if you are a lesbian, gay, or bisexual rugby player, then you're just a rugby player. I'm glad Sam Stanley's feeling better about going into this season with his Ealing Trailfinders yeah. squad. Right then, uh, next headline. <laughs> There is controversy reigning in South Africa. Phil, can you briefly explain what's going on with these this, this racial tension around the Rugby World Cup? Well, there's an organisation trying to, within South Africa, who are appealing to the South African government to try and get the South African rugby players' passports withdrawn from them. What? To prevent them from going to the World Cup. Are they uh, not already here? Not yet. Yeah, they need, um, they need to get on the plane quick, don't they? And uh, Jamie Cudmore let us know just an hour ago that... Uh, the Canadian team had their uh, final dinner in Canada last night. Oh, oh Halifax in Canada? Halifax, Canada. Right, I was going to say, because where the hell do you find lobster, <laughs> lobster in Halifax? In Halifax. <laughs> I that. Okay, that makes sense. No, but the headline is... West Yorkshire, the landlocked city, home of lobster. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't know what a lobster is in Halifax. <laughs> wouldn't know what to do with it. Um, yeah, so there's, there is an organisation trying to prevent them because they believe that Heineken Mayer is selecting white players preferentially over black players. Hmm. Knowing, I, I, knowing I, how competitive international rugby players yeah. and international coaches are, I just, I just cannot believe anyone would pick a worse player simply for a reason as trivial, trivial as that. Yeah. I know it is a big issue in South Africa. Uh, yeah, and I know, it, I, know, I know it's the sort of thing that we can't get a grip on living where we live. Uh, nothing gets more attention in South Africa than the politics of race. Um, but this won't happen. This, uh, this won't happen because, well, the courts in South Africa will legitimately let you kill your girlfriend and only serve, like, four years. So there's no way that they are not allowing the rugby oh, team God. to travel over to the World Cup. Right. Um, just, did he get found not guilty? No, he, he was actually guilty. I'm sure he's been found guilty, hasn't he? I don't actually know. No, I don't know. It's not important. The important... Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> he's definitely gone to jail. No, litigation and being sued, that's not important. Oh, um, they can sue me. I'll be fine. Right. I'll live with that. <laughs> uh, all right, well, uh, another quick headline then. And uh, speaking of the Springboks, assuming they make it to the UK, which they will, Yeah. Uh, Jean de Villiers has recovered from his injury to make the Springboks squad. Uh, and another injury, Waisaki Naholo has come back from a broken leg, which he sustained <laughs> in July, to make it into the All Blacks squad. And Steve Hansen's 31-man squad, a back three left out. Izzy Dag, Corey Jane, both played and won the World Cup in 2011. And Charles Piatau as well. Wow. Yeah. Future Ulster legend, I mean, Charles Piatau. Izzy Dag must have thought he was an absolute shoo-in after being the main man in that Air New Zealand rap. Uh, advert. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, Air New Zealand must have thought he was an absolute shit, or else they yeah. spent their money on they... Wasaki Naholo. Well, now, Wasaki Naholo recovered from a, a broken, broken leg. leg, which is why I laughed. Through herbal remedies or something? Witch doctor, I think, is the best way to describe it. Works for me, it works for me. Mm. Uh, well, yeah. He, well, he's back, isn't he? Uh, yeah. Izzy, Izzy Dag, what do you want to say about it? Here we go. Sit back, relax, let's go. Let's get this started, but before this plane's departed, oh, <laughs> the yeah, plane you're not on, is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Phil, you've been, ironic. you've been having a look because it's um, it's pretty much all. Is that now all the squads have been announced? There's still a few to go. I think Ireland, Ireland hasn't been announced. Oh, yet. of course. There's, there's rumours about it. Scotland hasn't been announced, uh, um, but Wales has. Wales has. No real surprises for me. I mean, we've only got three centres, but Gatlin knows what he's doing. You only got two hookers. Gatlin knows what he's doing. That two hookers one's worth lingering on a second because we talked about it on the last podcast and an Australia naming two hookers and England not being aware, evidently, that you could 
take two hookers only. Oh no, they were too busy writing on writing on their shirts and telling each other about their feelings. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think I think they do understand that you can take two hookers, but it's there are risks involved with yeah. taking two hookers. So I've been flicking through the rule book, the law book, and, oh, and the tournament rule book. The man with the facts. So you need both because you do need to both to understand the complications of it. So there are no limits within the the overall squad as to any number of front row players. Okay. But each match day 23 must have six suitably trained and experienced players. Okay. Fact. Right, fact number one. Law 3.5M states it's not the responsibility of the referee to determine suitability. That's the suitably trained and experienced players, as this is the responsibility of the team. And Law 3.5G states that there must be sufficient front row players to play at hooker, tight head prop and loose head prop who are suitably trained and experienced, again, to ensure that on the first occasion that a replacement is required in each position, that a team can continue to play safely with contested scrums. Okay. So that just means in the match day squad, you've got to have one player in each position, so that's six. Now, there's also a stand-down period of 48 hours. So 48 hours before any test match, if you bring someone from outside of the squad... Yep. They, you've got to do it more than 48 hours before that test match for them to play. Oh, so the oh. Hy- So the hypothetical situation is either someone gets injured in training 48 hours before a test match mm-hmm. and you would have to play three props on the bench, basically, if a hooker got injured. But one of them would have to have sufficient experience at hooker. Well, it's up to the team to determine that. Yeah. There oh, is an okay. argument that Aaron Jarvis has hooked at like youth level. Right. Um, so... Providing he's happy and the team's happy, he could go in there, but then that creates... Imagine the throwing in. That, yeah, the throwing in is a massive issue. It also, it creates an issue if you, say, Ken Owens takes a knock on the Saturday, mm-hmm. it means you've got to decide 48 hours before the match whether to replace him in the 31, because if someone comes into the 31, someone's got to go out of the 31 as well. So it complicates it from both sides. So it, it's, it is a bit of a risk. Now, the other thing is, failure to comply with this will forfeit all match points. Four Let's points. just say we've got a situation where Wales hooker goes down 24 hours before the England game. They yes. determine that Aaron Jarvis does not have suitable experience. They, they're going to forfeit this game before they even go. <laughs> well, no, but they, they wouldn't do that. Because they, the, the, only, the only time this would be... In, no, no, they wouldn't do that. They'd, they'd, play out, they'd pick Aaron Jarvis as the replacement hooker. They put him on the bench, and if something happened to Ken Owens, they put Aaron Jarvis on and just have a an insufficiently talented hooker that could risk them losing the game. Yes. They, would, they wouldn't forfeit the game. It's a yeah. calculated, calculated risk. risk. But what confuses me is that Gatland has picked five second rows and two hookers. Huh. But he's picked five second rows plus James King, who can play in the second, second row as a back row. Now that, to me, if if either of you watched the game at the weekend and saw the Alan Wynne Jones knock, and he he's fine, very he's gingerly fine. Gone, that suggests that Alan Wynne Jones is more seriously injured. No, oh, that's no. a great shout, Phil. They're no, also he's absolutely fine. They're also going and they're carrying at least two, possibly three other injured players into the World Cup. They got Samson Lee, who yep. we know won't be available for a couple of games. Liam Williams hasn't returned from foot surgery, mm-hmm. and Sam Warburton is still to play a game. 
Sam's fine. Sam's fine. <laughs> Alan Wynn's fine. I don't think we can talk about this anymore. <laughs> listen, so to that, listen to that blind faith from JB. <laughs> if right. Alan Wynn's not fit, we, sh- we, we shouldn't risk the health of everyone else. Let, <laughs> let's get on to Wales beating Ireland in that brutal encounter. There is no such thing as a warm-up match in Rugby Union. Um, as we've been saying, the first-choice Wales 15 is a match for anybody oh. on earth. JB and your phone! <laughs> I know, it's so popular. It's... <laughs> Uh, he just it, never learns, does he? He never <laughs> learns to turn it on mute. The, the the first choice Wales 15 is a match for anybody. Yeah. And they beat Ireland in Dublin at full strength. Yeah, pretty much we did, yeah. Um, do you want to hear what uh, what Warren Gatland had to say? Let me stop this yes, music please. for a second. Have a listen to what Warren Gatland had to say. Uh, I, I, don't, I regard this as a dig. We knew the whole focus of this campaign so far in the preparation was to win a big game away from home. And I don't think Ireland play a lot of rugby. Um, I thought they were really narrow at times and uh, you know, a lot of players are quite narrow. So on the one hand, he's saying, yeah, well, we, we all knew that the whole focus of this whole thing was just uh, winning away. So he's basically written off last week in one comment. He's got, well, no, that's yeah, fine. No, last, that... week, last week doesn't matter. And he's also said Ireland just, just didn't play any rugby. Um, now, I think it's, it's fine. I mean, I yeah. don't think Ireland do play a lot of rugby. I don't, but I don't think Ireland were allowed to play a lot of rugby because Johnny Sexton was on the back foot so much. How, how often did he just kick the ball away? Uh, they tried to kick onto George North's wing at least twice. And I just think that was because the Welsh pack was so, was so mobile. They're absolutely ferocious. Uh, and that's how we're going to play. Well, so I, I kind of agree with him. Ireland did have 12% more possession. They ran 40 metres more with ball in hand. They made 40 more runs and they passed 40 more times and kicked out of hand Fact. and kicked out of hand fewer times. So there's a strong argument there that it was Wales who didn't want to play any rugby. Yeah, yeah, but you can still be narrow and have all of those stats add up. For Gatland to have a dig at Ireland by saying they're not trying to play rugby. When Wales, well, Wales did not try and play I, rugby. Can I also say this? It's a legitimate dig. I don't think it's a bad thing if that's what the Irish were trying to do because why should they play play their hand now? They're World Cup, well, one of the World Cup favourites. A lot of what you read, read off there, it's obviously true, but I think a lot of it happened in the second half as well when Ireland oh, clearly yeah. were, in, were in the ascendancy. Yeah, but they, neither team went out there to play rugby. But that will be a great game for both teams because it was reminiscent of a quarter-final or a semi-final. Yeah. It was mm. controlled, attritional, forward-based rugby. And that's, that is will benefit both those teams hugely, even though Ireland lost. I don't think there's a team in the world that likes to be camped on their own try line as much as Wales. It's like like they relish it. Just put us here and we'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, But you saw from the the tackle completion percentage was like 92 and 95%. Phil, fact. You're wearing the fact button out on this pod. (laughs) That in itself, they have very high completion percentages for an international game, but it showed that neither team was willing to play rugby. They were playing not to lose rather than playing to win. Well, can I just tell you the best bit of commentary I've heard in a long time? <laughs> Go on. It was a description of Dan Lydiot. Does anyone want to know what he was described as? <laughs> a lumberjack. So close to him you don't even realise. <laughs> a master. Master. Master axeman. Master. Oh, a master chopper. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Lydiot is a master chopper. Oh. Which is actually my gay porn name, so that's, that's great. <laughs> um. <laughs> but Tipperick. Oh, let's, let's talk about Tipperick for a second. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Because I think like Lydia, his tackling was superb. He didn't didn't do much else as he often doesn't. His tackling was superb, but Tipperick did a bit of everything. He was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Athleticism. His handling is superb. It is superb. He was just everywhere. He was. His tackling was superb. Do you know there are some guys that 
I mean, they, talk, they used to talk about this in uh, in football to describe people like Teddy Sheringham, where they go, they, they went, even in their advancing years, and I know Tipperick's a young man, they would sort of say he's quick of mind, that he always ends up in the right place mm. at the right time. Tipperick's got that and an engine. Yeah. He's just got what, whatever it is, that just reading of the game. I mean, I'd say t- what Tipperick's got is what Haskell can't train for in the gym but, and yeah. pump iron for it's yeah. just that that understanding and that reading of the game and that feel of the game that just means he arrives in the right place and at the, the right the, time they don't say there's nothing of him I think he's legitimately playing himself into a starting position you, cl- you underestimate Sam Orbison so much oh no I'm, I'm saying a- with, alongside I'm saying yeah. alongside okay. because the last time that Wales did that they beat England 30 points to three yeah, Ho- Hoops and Pocock nullify and New Zealand. There, there yeah. is a time and a place for it. Well, I wouldn't. Do, I'd, I'd probably go Lydia against England because they're gonna. Nah. Uh, no, well, maybe we not. did Lydia against England last time. We lost. I'm uh, not. It's going to make a huge difference. But against Australia, that's a legitimate option to try and uh, match Hoops yeah. and Pocock. I think it could be for both. I, England really struggles. Just play in that, whoever's in playing game. best. I mean, Tipperick's some... foot. But we'll see if Sam Warburton's fit enough. Tell me this. Rob Shaw or Tipperick? <laughs> They're Rob very Shaw. different players, Jay. <laughs> very different players. Uh, I'm going to have to give uh, Phil all the credit for if this. If Tipperick was English, I'd go Rob Shaw and Tipperick. Well, I'm going to have to give Phil all the credit for this because he texted me saying, it's different. One one is a ball-playing seven, the other one is a link-playing six and a half. <laughs> very <laughs> different positions, Jay. <laughs> well They're, They're not in the same field. <laughs> well done, Phil. Well saved. How about Ireland? Uh, Henderson, he played himself into a, into a World Cup squad, hasn't he? Oh, he's awesome. Yeah, he's a very nice player. I don't know why they consider him in the back row, though, because he's like 6'7", is just think ridiculous. 6'7", well, second row, I think that's... He... Six second, uh, I was perfect. That's exactly where, where I play him. He is, he's, he's, he is a little bit lightweight. Certainly, he's only young, he's only 23, 24, and he, he has been a little bit lightweight in the past, so he is an option as a back row. But, mm. but if he's got a natural think... frame of six. Plus, oh, six foot seven. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, a long way over six foot. So, yeah. like, you know, I'm sure you'll put on some timber eventually. Uh, yeah, I, I would. I think he is playing himself into consensus. Yeah, for sure. And that, that try he scored. Yeah. I, I think we also that's need fun. to mention Jamie Jamie Roberts um, for services to men. <laughs> now, oh, I, am I, am I, is this gay pride again? <laughs> no, it's here we go again. No, no. When is Jamie Roberts going to finally give up on his hair? As in, just shave it all up. <laughs> because he is balding rapidly. He is. He is. And I wonder if he's going to do a service to all men, because we're all trying to you know, keep on to what hair... Well, you two are fine, actually, but me, not so much. And if Jamie Rolls could just lead the way of the old, like, crow's nest look and help us all out, just like Bobby Charlton used to. That's a professional <laughs> professional sportsman balding in a... What's, what's the word for it? In a graceful way. I make, um, make it cool for all of us. Oh, yeah, no, pre, I, I like that. The pre-say look oh, is... Oh, the pre- pre-say look. Yeah, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. No, I, I want to I I rugby player, Jamie Roberts, to, to let it go, um, but just grow it round the sides like your, exactly. grand, like your granddad used to have. Long, just a bit around <laughs> the side. No one does that anymore. No. Um, and also, I always think when you look back at pictures of Bobby Charlton, like a comb over, he must have gone to the hairdressers and gone, do you know what? Leave the left. <laughs> <laughs> I've just just leave that one, but cut the right hand side really short. And even when he's twenty five, you look at the pictures, you go, "It's a forty five year old man." <laughs> yeah. So Jamie Roberts is doing us all a favour, and if he just grows it out on the side and leaves it thin on the top, fantastic, Jamie. Well done. Um, now Ben Man eight Ben on Twitter at Rugby Podcast has got in touch, and someone who's not doing a service to men is Johnny May. So Ben is a Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast listener. He was in Gloucester, in his native Gloucester, and Johnny May walked past down the, the high street. He took a picture of Johnny May with his dog. Johnny May is wearing green Crocs. Ugh. Well, it strikes Bright me. lime green Crocs. 
It strikes me as um, one of two things. One, it's a man very comfortable with his own image. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and number two... Maybe it's a safety precaution, just to sh- just just to slow him down on public roads. <laughs> you know, like lorries have limiters and that kind of thing. Because he's only small, but at that at that speed, he could cause yeah, some damage. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They yeah. are they are off. I've just got a picture <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, other, other footwear, um, and while we stay on the subject of Wales, Lee Halfpenny uh, at the weekend in Junior Island game was wearing boots with nine carat gold from the mines of the Welsh Hills in. Yes, and do you know what? I went to school with the owner of that mine. Really? Yeah. Um, the uh, the Roberts uh, family in Wales. So cool story, well, bro. It feels like he's getting a bit ahead of himself. Yeah. If it was the World Cup final, like Michael Johnson, the four hundred meter, two oh, four hundred yeah. meter runner, wore gold boots in the Olympic finals. I think this is okay because it's not like they've gone out and got the finest gold from wherever. It's nine carat gold from Wales, and it's you know <laughs> it's promoting Welsh industry and all the rest of it. I'm absolutely fine with it. It's not like he paid for it, and Under Armour did it. So he was given the boots. It's fine. What would Jay say? What would Jay be saying right now if that was Haskell? I'd love it. Imagine, imagine how excited I'd be. Legitimately, I'd be so excited if Haskell came in boots, just was running around in boots. All if right. It, if it was Chris Robshaw. Oh, what an idiot! Exactly. What a pretentious idiot. <laughs> um, what about this then? And it looks like just going back to club rugby, just very briefly, because it's a nice bit of audio. I thought I'd play you the moment that Brian Majati found out he had been granted a visa to come and play in the United Kingdom. So it looks like the Sail Sharks move is pretty much on. I'm in. <laughs> Ooh. We're in. We're going to the UK. Okay. Calm down. Wait for wait for wait for the nickname that he refers to himself as. I'm in. <laughs> The magic tricks worked. The gingerbread man of rugby <laughs> lives to fight another day. <laughs> if, if that's anything to go by, he's going to be tremendously hard work for his teammates. Yeah, uh, this that's is the guy I don't want to get changed next to. Uh, this is this is what he had to say um, to close off the video that he did on his YouTube channel, um, and this is a message for all his uh, teammates and stuff in France. Au revoir, bitches. <laughs> but the ginger I'm try, I've been trying to work out I was wondering if you could help me out okay, the gingerbread man of rugby the gingerbread man of rugby is what he refers okay, to himself okay so as. What, let's go through the story of the gingerbread man what did the gingerbread man do because that might be helpful he ran away and then what did he get eaten the gin- oh maybe that's it because he keeps moving so he's running gin- away so he's running away maybe that's no, it that doesn't sound right to me mm. I'm sure the gingerbread man got eaten in, in the end Tell you what, you could live for a while off Brian Majati, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Damn right you could. Um, He's going to be annoying to all of his teammates, I can tell you right now. I, I just know that's He's moving I... to Manchester. Yeah, I know, I know, yeah. but I know. I mean, we've all played with South Africans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and they can be a little bit annoying. Sometimes a little bit of a culture shock. I, when I, think, I think your passport will get confiscated if you try and go through South African customs. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're very nice people, for the record. But they can be a little bit, you know. You know. Yeah, okay. Uh, right, that was just a brief little breakaway. Um, now let's get on to the England squad that was announced earlier this week. Um, up front, cruising Atwood out. I don't think we picked that, did we? We didn't. No, we didn't. Absolutely not. And it, Still looking back at it, not something we, which I would have done. I might involve Cruz, but not at the expense of He has looked busy cruising in the last couple of games, but I just, I just don't, I just don't think he's as good as that would. But then they're looking at him every day in training. So yeah, th- yeah, that, but that's my thought. I have no idea what they're seeing in training because it doesn't stack up to what we know as rugby fans and what most of the, what most of the press think. In fact, what almost every pundit thinks as well. They're but, seeing something completely different. Th- those two, they are they're very similar players. Atwood got dropped in the Six Nations as well, and he had he had two the two issues with Atwood when he was playing for England. One. He made a break against the Springboks and completely blew it by just drifting and drifting rather than straightening up and giving a pass. That's right. And in the Ireland game, he gave away several penalties around the breakdown and that was the game that he got dropped 
uh, afterwards. But I think it's a Welsh game and they brought him on as a sub and he just... Is oh, it Wales? He, he's done it a few times. He just comes he on and it. he works his little socks off. Yeah. yeah. Basically, that would, you would have him as an impact player and, yeah. An, yeah. and an impact player only, really. Yes, that, that's well, my consideration. I think he can start, but... Maybe that's it, because one thing I would say for Cruz, albeit he can't quite get to the heights that Atwood gets to, maybe Cruz is an 80-minute man and maybe that's part of Lancaster's thought. More consistent. And also, we see them 80 minutes every few weeks. The coaches have seen them for 10 weeks solidly. They know all of their strengths and weaknesses. They've been testing them rigorously. And Cruz has come out on top. And I I can't argue with that because both of them will offer very similar strengths. All right, then. So one that I, th- I think will be very quick to discuss, Slade in. We're all happy with that, cool. right? Happy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, no sippers. Sippers! I'm not bothered. I, I, I can see why you would. I can see why, why you wouldn't. Um, doesn't bother me a tremendous amount. For me, he's third choice 10 and he's third choice fullback. And mm. if you can fit him, if you had a bigger squad and you can fit him in, can right, I just... great. Now, the only thing I would argue is that he could potentially force his way into second choice fullback ahead of Good because no. he he does something completely different yeah. and he can change a game. Whereas Good is more consistent, yeah. but I don't think he's done that. No. So I I understand the rationale. Yeah, I don't think he, he could force his way ahead of Good. I think he could force himself ahead of Farrell. I think, but taking that forty-eight hour rule that Phil was explaining earlier into account, and I say that there will not be even if. George Ford goes down injured in training the day before a game. Mm-hmm. You can cover off a match because you've got Alex Good in the squad and because you've got Henry, he- Henry Slade Henry in the Slade. squad. Yeah. Yeah. And which would mean you could then get, and this is what I think is, Danny Cipriani is George Ford number two. Yeah. I-, I think if there was an injury to Farrell, I would possibly think about bringing in Myler, actually. So you've got those two different tens. Yes. But you can cover off a game yeah. and then bring Sippers in to replace Ford if need be. Now I've heard the rules from Phil say it puts things into a different light and you can cover off a game. Good and Slade could be adequate backups for an 80-minute match yeah. with Farrell starting. Ab- so Absolutely, absolutely. So it, And it is tough because Sippers has played very well. Mm. but He's played with, well. With, yeah. the, with the squad that they've picked, I'm okay with it. Yeah, uh, yeah no problem with that. Right then, here we go then. No Big Luth and in Big Sam. <sighs> Well, this is it, isn't it? I mean, everyone thinks that I'm anti-English. I'm really not. I do genuinely want England to do well. And to prove it, I I can't believe that they picked Burgess o, uh, over Burrell. I think it is absolutely ludicrous. Really? Oh, it's oh, ludicrous. Well, well, wait a second, wait a second, right? I can understand people going, I don't understand Big Sam being brought in ahead of Kyle Eastman. Yep. Because Kyle Eastman offers something that England don't have and an, and an attacking threat, which we don't have. I could understand if people wanted maybe a more attacking style and they want to go with Eastman. I, Luther Burrell, I don't see as this... I see him as a very, very solid player. I don't see him as this incredibly gifted, top-class international player. No. No, I don't think no. he's an incredibly gifted, top-class international player. I think he's a very st- solid, steady one. And I'd, ha- I'd happily have him in the Welsh team. But here's the thing. These guys have watched Burgess in training every week, right? Prior to this, he's been watched in training every day by the bath coaches. And the bath coaches have gone, no, this guy is not as good as Cal Eastman, but he will, make, he will make a good flanker. And all the evidence leading up to this camp backs up that particular point of view. Having already got rid of Kyle Eastman, we should, we should park that to one side. And this is just Luther Burrell or Sam Burgess. This is two Yorkshiremen. Mm-hmm. This is two, <laughs> two guys that started playing rugby league that have converted to Rugby Union, two big units... No, they're not. One big unit. Big Sam. Big Sam. 
I'm big. I suppose Luther's quite big. But have you seen the two of them? I, I watched a, a shot on the news of the two of them walking around in training, talking to each other. Not anymore than Sam not. Burgess <laughs> is considerably bigger than Luther yeah. Burrell. He's, he's, he's massive. a couple of inches taller and about he's a stone just... and a half heavier. Yeah. Yeah. There is a few theories about uh, Burgess. Um, the two which I like is in a big game, a final pressure's on, who's just going to pull up their socks, chest out, go out and play? Well, that's great, isn't it? But not one, not one to get hammered. The other thing as well, and I think I'm on something here, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a ploy to quieten down um, Jamie Roberts. You know, if you want to stop Jamie Roberts, I think Sam Burgess is a pretty good tool, pretty good blunt instrument to do it. Mm. But other than that, I just don't, I don't think it's, it just doesn't make any sense, any uh, sense at all. Uh, well, the, the way I'd look at it is what are England losing by not having Big Luth? And I don't know that they're losing that much. I think when you go back a stage and you go, what are they losing by not having Kyle Eastman? Then maybe you're yeah. talking about a different kettle of fish. But I'm quite excited about it. It's a, it's a brilliant, you, it's a brilliant talking point. Yeah, but do you not? Well, as an he's Englishman, not, he's not going to start for England. As an Englishman, are think. you not thinking this isn't the right decision? This isn't the right decision on a rugby basis. You know, I, if I was you guys, I'd be worried. I actually think their all-round skill sets aren't too different, aren't too mm. dissimilar. I, I don't think. Do you know big, what? I don't think Big Luth is a great. He's a very good Premiership player, but as an international inside centre, he doesn't have much of a kiss, kicking game. I probably still would have gone for Big Luth based on the fact that. He started in the Six Nations virtually every mm-hmm. game in a centre's partnership that scored more tries than England have, yeah. Done, yeah. have done in any of the previous Six Nations. And he was playing well. He does have weaknesses, but his experience over the past four yeah. years of playing inside centre yeah. should stand him in better stead yeah. than Sam Burgess. I take that. But everything that they've said, all, all the coaches have said, Sam Burgess has progressed unbelievably in this 10-week yeah, camp. Why and his basic, his basic skills are right. good enough to, to do... A decent job. If you landed as an alien from outer space and went, right, you've got 160 minutes to rug- of rugby to watch and pick your England squad out of the two France games, Luther Burrell wouldn't be in it and, mm-hmm. and Sam Burgess would be in it. Agreed. Yeah. All I'm saying is the one thing, I'm trying to rationalise it. You, was, you don't, don't smile like that. You and your Welsh uh, bias. Look, you say that I've got a Welsh bias. You two are pretty much, you know those generals that write, that, 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 that write down notes once the uh, Korean leader starts start speaking? You, you, you are basically, uh, you know, King John Un's uh, note takers. <laughs> Anything that Lancaster does, you kind of rationalise somehow, which for two logical men is beyond me. Well, I, I want to support England. And I, I have put implicit faith in the coaches that they have, have a lot more information, a lot more data than we do, and they are making the right decision. The coaches I have faith we got, in... We got to a World Cup final with a ragtag bunch yeah, of did. unhappy people. <laughs> well... And, and this is a home World Cup, and I suppose the decision's been made now, and, and it's it. So maybe me and Phil are a little bit going, yeah. come on, boys, Fingers let's crossed. Yeah. But that's, that's what I want every Englishman and man, woman and child to do. I also think he could get found out. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a, there is a do, bit... do you reckon like putting a six-foot-four guy inside centre against Gatland's team is going to stump Gatland? Do you think he's going to, oh, God, I've got no other game plan for this? <laughs> or do you think he'll just devise something very, very simple on the back of a fag packet and go for it? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely he would. Mm-hmm. I'm less worried about Wales, I'm more worried about Australia because they will have Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Have a, a proper, a proper ball, a ball playing 12 with fast, dangerous runners outside him. And yeah. that is what worries me with Sam Burgess. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think Burgess will be, I don't think they'll want him on the field for Australia. I, no. I, you know, I keep talking about Jamie Roberts. Scott Williams. I mean, Scott Williams looked look wonderful. And he's got great feet. He's got a good turn, turn of pace. Scott Williams could, could find out um, uh, Burgess if they decide to go uh, to go that route when, they, when the two teams meet. Uh, on the subject of Australia, uh, Joe Tamani has been uh, embarrassed by his, by his Australian teammate, David Pocock. So in training, um, Pocock was just on the sidelines and was recording some stuff and recorded Joe Tamani uh, singing a song. Baby, won't you come my way? Yeah. That is uh, pr- pretty, pretty horrible. If you're an England or Wales player listening to the podcast, this is what you're going to listen to in the changing room uh, as you walk out for your warm-up. Baby, won't you come my way? <laughs> uh, move on. Yes, please. Scotland game? Yes, the Scotland game. Thank you, Phil. They, they absolutely smashed Italy. They did. I do think it, the scoreline flatters them a little bit because there was three interception tries. Oh, so that's 20, 20 points just there. But they were comfortably a better side. And what is very encouraging for Scotland is their pack was dominant against a very good Italian pack. That back row is awesome. Their mm. sc- scrummaging and their driving malls were awesome. And their, their backs, they've got some real pace. Mm. Did they wrestle play? Finn Russell, Stuart Hogg, Mark Bennett are the, the three oh, yeah. exciting backs in that, there's in that Scot- line. There's some Scottish players playing. That's, that's <laughs> well done. I felt that over six nations they made a lot of progress not winning any games, which is kind of damning with fate and praise, I guess. But Vern Cost is a good coach. I think he'll get them prepared. And I think they'll have some fairly good wins coming into, well, if they get out of their group, which I, I, I tend to think they will now. Yeah. In my opinion, they are favourite to qualify in their group. Behind, it, behind South Africa. How does it feel to live in a world where Scotland might get to get out the group stages where either England or Wales don't? <laughs> what kind of society have we built? <laughs> uh, that would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? it yeah, would well, for one, for one of us. Well, maybe also Australia. Fingers crossed it's Australia. Well, whoever wins the group, if Scotland finish second in their group, whoever wins England and Wales' group will be playing Scotland. Well, I'd, fan- I'd fancy that. The prize for winning Paul oh. A... Is massive. is massive. Mind you, who otherwise you get South Africa, do you? Otherwise you get South Africa, then New Zealand. Then New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Yeah. So if you come second, it's not... <laughs> finishing second, third and not qualifying. Yeah, second's as good as third. Yeah, pretty much. There again, I mean, if you beat South, South Africa, you're on some serious form. If you beat the All Blacks, you're unstoppable going into that, <laughs> going into that final, right? If you've got any players left after that, that fixture yeah. list. That, 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 uh, that cliche of, uh, if you want to win a World Cup, you've got to beat the best. It will, you, get, yeah. will get used by the, by the coach of the team that finished Can second. Can I also point out that what you really want as well is you want South Africa to win that game. So South, South Africa and New Zealand batter each other in, in, in the semis. And then you're in the other side of the pool. Correct. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's thought, exactly what you want. I thought it's through. Yeah, you want to win the game, and then <laughs> chances are South Africa and uh, 
New Zealand will meet each other. So are we still saying, just as much interest, are we still saying that Australia will top this group with Wales second? Oh, God, it changes every week. No, I'm not saying that. I, I'm saying I'm Australia, saying... and then it's a coin toss. I'm probably there as well. And I, I think England are going to beat Wales. I don't think they I, are. It's, it's a, but I do think they'll beat Australia, and I do think them. Wales will. I think England will beat us. I think England will top the group. Blind faith, but I think England will top the group. God, well, please, blind faith, please. Blind faith is pretty much how, how Stuart Lancaster's base has come. <laughs> so you're doing well there. <laughs> All right, well, Scotland fans, we will be talking about your squad when it gets announced so on next week's podcast. But uh, it's time for this. Splash! A little bit of a stash update. Uh, we talked about Lee, Lee Halfpenny's nine-carat gold boots. I also want to just make a quick reference to Derry Gasman on Twitter has let us know about this, which I think is a brilliant development in stash. Um, so we were, we've been talking before that we quite like the little flags that are put on the French kit. And Bath, were, I think, were the, one of the first people to do this with their teams, where they would put, when you get, when you get your international honours, they would put your little international flag. Yes, this is true. In the centre of the shirt. I think Bath did that first. Munster have now got family crests on the arm, uh-huh. on the sleeve of the new Munster shirt. So players can have their own family crest on the shirt. That is incredibly cool, and yet imp- incredibly not of our age. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, if you're a historian in a hundred years' time, you're going to think there's some sort of like um, error in, in, in the chronology. <laughs> well, yeah. they, went, they, they played with their family crest on 19, the- 1915, sure, but not... I, I love it. I love the throwback of it. Have you got one, Jay? I'm going to make one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's one bit of stash. Um, Saracens have launched their new kit, which is um, the, the home kit is red top, kind of with like a, it's, it's almost like someone's done a water painting of a skyline going from red to black. Yeah. And then the away kit from white to blue. Yeah. This basically does not fit any of the criteria of being a nice kit at all. But it somehow works for me. It kind of works. I know. Uh, oh, it shouldn't work. Uh, initially, when I looked at it, I went, oh, that's disgusting. But someone on Twitter pointed out, and they're very right, if you squint at that, it looks like they've got their shorts really high. Yeah, <laughs> really high shorts. Tucked in, like, just below their pecs. <laughs> yeah. Which, I, it's got to be a look that's coming back soon, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm not so sure about it. I, I do love the Nike stash, but it's just that that kind of smudge the blend now can I point high. out a kit which no one's talked about it was it was out a few weeks ago it's Yorkshire Carnegie's kit in is this the, the, the Cougar one? Oh, look at that yeah that is nice. look, look at look. that blue and white hoops yeah just blue it's, and it white looks like a, it looks like what a Bristol kit should look like it's, but Yorkshire Carnegie who play who I thought played in yellow and blue and white and blue and white mm, it's okay. just nice and plain and that's it wonderful well, Bristol have also launched the kit. Bristol have launched the kit. Looks lovely worn by Big Gav. Uh, who else would you get to model that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about London Irish. They, they launched their kit. The away kit, has been pointed out, would make a really good Leicester Tigers away kit. Yes. Yes, 100%. it would do. Um, nice, now, nice and simple. And the home kit is kind of standard. And Alex Lewington, after a brilliant breakout season in the Premiership, has got the honours of uh, being the main man modelling that for him. Re-signed a new two-year deal, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, it'll, it'll be on some good wedge now. Because he's their mate, and, Le- and Leicester must be looking at him, going, "What? What did we do?" They, yeah, they let him go to Nottingham, then to Irish. Um, yeah, that's it for a stash. Although I do like that we had a tweet from Sil Hillians Rugby, who play in Midlands One West, who tweeted us, and they claimed the best stash that their team has ever had. Wow! And they tweeted us a picture. Well, this is of big it. news because they are notorious for good, for good stash as well. <laughs> <laughs> so Sil Hillians, and it's white with kind of red and blue um, stripes going across, and I think it's very nice, Sil Hillians. And what I would like to do is um, put put it out there to any club side at whatever level around the game. 
tweet to at Rugby Podcast a picture of your team's stash for the 2015-16 season. Yeah. And we we will do a review on Twitter and uh, and post our thoughts and do a do an online stash watch for grassroots rugby. Yeah, and by all means, if it is nice kit, tweet us. If it's horrific kit, hundred percent tweet us. Oh, we'll have yeah. a lot more fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Broughton Park. You, I've had some horrible kits. Well, strangely enough, I was pre- presented with a kit the other day, which someone got like a tester one. When you say present, present, presented, makes it sound like they're going. Uh, Thank you for your services to the club. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> never presenting you with again. a commemorative shirt. <laughs> no, because you get test ones, so you can just try it out. And I can't. I won't name the name the company, but we are black and white hoops. There's nothing special about our kit, black and white hoops. And somehow they managed to kind of incorporate like one of the hoops going into a shark fin and then a swirl. And <laughs> I don't need to tell you what I said, but it was, well, I will tell you an absolute no, absolute <laughs> no. Hoops, hoops, hoops. How hard is that? I love hoops. Let me right. cor- let me correct myself. Sil Hillians is uh, is white, blue, and black um, hoops. It looks like it looks like kind of a traditional bath rugby kit. Wonderful. It's very Wonderful. nice. Yeah, it's that is nice. That is very nice. Nice oh, is that, and simple. No, is, is that maroon? Oh, I don't know. Anyway, I think it is maroon, actually. There's maroon in there somewhere. Anyway, it's lovely. So, yes, thank you very much. And any grassroots clubs, at Rugby Podcast, tweet us your your stash as and when it comes out. Oh, oh before we move on, um, in a bit of club news, I was just talking about grassroots clubs. Let's talk about Europe's best club, Toulon, lost two games in the top 14. Still can't believe the top 14's already started and is well underway. Such a joke. Toulon, Toulon have lost two games, and Toulon have been fielding a very nearly 40-year-old player. <laughs> 40 year old uh, in January uh, not just any 40 year old player though a player on the wing indeed which is astonishing Sorelli Bombo uh, <laughs> Brendan Venter's favourite player if you remember when he was director of rugby at Saracens and was absolutely seething that Racing Metro won a team he, uh, he did this classic interview what went wrong because you got off to such a wonderful start yeah it's interesting I wonder what went wrong I have to think about it think about it well what did go wrong I have to look, look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Sorelli Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Sorelli Bombo, very interesting, very oh, good. Yeah. An idiot. Very good. Three cheers for Sorelli Bombo. Very good, very good. <laughs> I love that interview so much. He's such an idiot, though, isn't he? I mean, why did the reporter continue with the interview? Wouldn't you just go? Oh, right? he, he got a great interview. I like reporters. The car crash stuff is the stuff you want. That's the yeah. stuff. That's that's really. I think I'd have gone after the first interview, uh, after the first answer, and that's all that Brendan Venter has. Back to you. And <laughs> just cut him off at that. Well, the fact, think about it like this: we're talking about it all these years on. We're talking about a, a post-match interview from a European Heineken Cup match against Racing Metro from ten years he ago. He sounds like a ten-year-old. <laughs> he really does. Very good. Three cheers for Sorelli Bombo. Very good. Very good. I love it. I think it's brilliant. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's very funny. It's not the most flattering audio clip of him, though. Three cheers it? for Sorelli Bombo. Very good. Very good. Very good. Very good. <laughs> um, and also, well, I'll tell you what, while we, if we're talking post-match interviews, I've got another one here because um, there, there's another thing that, that I don't know which one of you two posted about it on Twitter but a brilliant spot and that is that Harlequins in their sevens team have got oh, a player yeah. called Kevin Keegan it's, <laughs> it's this is Kenya Harlequins oh right, oh, no. right. <laughs> boo but, well well why on earth is there a guy called Kevin, Kevin Keegan, Keegan in Kenya I've got the Kenyan Harlequins um, after their after their tournament. I've got their post match interview with uh, with Kevin Keegan. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Love it. Can you beat uh, the USA in the USA? Kenya. Sorry, Harlequin. Harlequins. Harlequins. Harlequins in USA. And in the other club match, Newcastle, Newcastle. beat Georgia. Yes. And there was Japan. Japan hammered Uruguay yeah. as well. Forty points to nil. Yeah. We, we, and, oh, and did you see the sevens? 
Do you see who won the seven? No, the no, I didn't. Premiership sevens. Uh, Newport Grand Dragons. Yes. Yes, I did see that. Yeah. I was trying to work out who they won the Premiership the sevens. Yes. Yeah, that's right. They did. The Aviva Premiership sevens that's was right. won by Newport Grand Dragons. That is <laughs> correct, Tim. Guinness Pro Twelve team. <laughs> a, Newport a bad Grand Dragons. Guinness Pro Twelve team. Yeah. They beat Wasps in the final. Wasps were taking it seriously. Yeah, Wasps were taking it seriously. With Joe Simpson, Elliot Daly, and Christian Wade. <laughs> oh who, yeah. Who the, Christian Dade, Christian Wade, the previous week broke the Premiership 7's scoring record for a single single day's play. Seven tries in three games. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and they, they, well, they sorted all those guys, did they, against Newport Gwent? Yeah. I wonder what's happening there. I wonder <laughs> if we're in for a bit of a shock of a season then. Now, we've mentioned Brendan Venter. Um, will he feature in a London Irish all-time best-of team? Let's find out. So we've been going through the Aviva Premiership teams one by one as they finished in the league table and picking the best team ever to have worn that club's shirt in the professional era. And I do do emphasise the professional era um, because it's just different times and uh, that's how we're judging it. So it's the turn of London Irish. Well, I can say that the London Irish Rugby Club Forum, they've obviously got a fair few listeners to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. So hello and thank you very much and thanks for spreading the word because they've, they've, the they've put this as a talking point on their forum. So there will be probably more London Irish fans than normal listening today for this. So thank you very much. Um, we've had a little look over some of the suggestions there. We've had our own thoughts and, um, and let's get into it then. I assume... I assume second row is nailed on, right? <laughs> second row is nailed on, obviously, yeah. Absolutely N- nailed nep- on. Nepotism uh, is an important thing, so yeah, Nick Rouse wears four and five uh, in that team. And ousts Nick Kennedy and Bob Casey. That's superb work by your, by your bro. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Kennedy and Casey, just what a brilliant combo. And yeah. amazing, he's made, your brother's made the all-time best back team now. Yeah, he's made the all-time best sale team, and yeah. now he's going to make the all-time best. Irish team. It's impressive, isn't it? It's it is very impressive. impressive. Um, so yeah, Nick Kennedy and Bob Casey in the engine room, and, and that just sort of typifies where probably this is going with London Irish. They had a golden era in the professional era in where the they had did. some absolutely incredible players. Which era of London Welsh, Welsh London Irish, do you think is better? The one which went to the Premiership final, or one that won the Tetley Bitter Cup? Tetley Bitter Cup one. I think the Tetley Bitter Cup one as well because they were dy- yeah. dynamite and they dismantled Northampton. Yeah, and they had really exciting new ways of playing. They, they, they. I mean, what was the team that played the coming out the line? Was it Wasps? Did that attack? No, I think it was London Irish. I first. think it was it London was Irish that the first to do that kind the of flying slits, the wingers yeah. up the blitz, blitz defense. defense where you start just outside your man yeah. and angle just inside. Yeah, and, and, and was, also Brendan Venter, kind of as your defensive captain, lead, he was sort of the architect of that. And I think the difference was with that one, I might be wrong, but I think the difference was they'd put their outside centre and their winger on the opposition outside centre. So when they finally did lose, I think it was Sale Sharks, because Holly Hodgson was just skipping the ball over. So he'd do like the double miss pass out onto the wing. But it was very effective for a very long time. <laughs> so let's go through it then. 1-15, to 15, front row. Some of the suggestions. Tighthead is, I think, nailed on. Is it Farn? Farn, Routon Bash. He was a beast of a man. Monstrous, wasn't he? Yeah. He looked like a farmer. Yeah. Is that a compliment? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, my brother played with him. He said he was massive and beastly, but just soft as anything. Like, as a bloke. <laughs> just a nice a nice guy. Yeah. Spent his spare time raising kittens or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, loose head. Tonga, Leah Tonga. Oh, Tonga. Yeah, he went to Toulon after Irish, didn't he? He went London Irish. Is he at Toulon, Bayonne now? And then he's at Bayonne. <laughs> well yes, done, Jay. JB. You're not looking over <laughs> Phil's shoulder at Crikey. all. Look at that. 
Now, a, a hooker, I imagine there might be a couple of options. It's a straight shootout for two, it uh, looks like. Is David Pace involved? David Pace. I'd pick David Pace, personally. You love David Pace. I do love him. I think he's a brilliant all-round player. And uh, South African Naka Drotska. Ooh. Pace or Drotska, would you go with, Phil? I've seen more of Pace, and I do rate him. I do rate him very highly, so I'll go for Pace. Pace. Yeah, but he got battered by... Um... What's his name? Uh, Jim Hamilton. Jim Hamilton, absolutely. <laughs> he looked like he's about to cry. He's also, I think... Nagodrotsky got... wouldn't have got battered by, by Jim, Jim Hamilton. Uh, probably not. <laughs> so, uh, I'm just throwing that out there. Don't well, I, 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 I'm putting this out there, and I understand why Hartley's not in the England squad, and so for similar reasons, David Pace might not make the squad, but if I'd rather have David Pace in the England squad than Rob Webber. But David Pace has got the best line-out, he's got the best basic skill set of any English hooker that Do you represent I, David Pace in some <laughs> some classes? He's got shares in him. <laughs> wait, and I'm even gonna go as far as uh Fact. There you fact. go. I, I, I will give you a fact about David Pace. He's got the most yellow cards in the league. In the Aviva Premiership of all time. Fact. Alright, fair enough. <laughs> uh, and Hartley Tim, plays in the Aviva Premiership. <laughs> and by the way, Tim Tim's fact is I think he's really good at lineups. <laughs> fact uh, <laughs> Kennedy and Casey in the row. Uh, back row, then, it's got to be seven. It's got to be Steffa, Stefan yeah. Armitage. Yes. I, I think so. I think that is an easy decision. Um, six and eight, then. So, would you have Declan Danaher? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Long time, but he's captain for quite a few years as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and then the eight... Leguizamon was Leguizamon there. was there because he, he, he yeah, was he the one the who dropped, the ball, dropped the, the, dropped the, the ball over the line. Leguizamon went from there and then I'm thinking it's a huge team in France. In, t- in terms of like the best player, I don't know whether he was the best wearing the shirt, but Leguizamon, I don't think they haven't had many great eights now I look at it. Yeah, George Stowers for a couple of years who yeah. was a very good ball carrier, wasn't he? And destructive tackler. They, yeah, they also had someone else. Uh, um, Simone fella. Hallo Fear. Hallo Fear. Yeah. Yeah. He was an absolute destroyer of worlds. Yeah. And uh, Sheesby as well. Pick one, Phil. I do like George Stowers. All right, I, Stowers, I, I Stowers do like is in. Leguizamon, so okay. that circle. Uh, I, I'm going to quickly jump through jump through nine because there's not much debate here. It's Hodgson, isn't it? Dodge. Yeah, I'd um, go for Hodgson. Fly half, that's a bit more of a debate. Okay. Who do you go for? Not Ryan Lamb. <laughs> not <laughs> they, Ryan They've Lamb. got an absolute rogues gallery, actually, haven't they? Um, yeah. Not Garrity, I wouldn't say. No, not Garrity. Uh, someone's got a. I don't know. Picked. Barry Everett is their all-time top point scorer in the Premiership. Oh, yeah. The other options at 10 are to move either Cat or Flutey there. Not Flutey, maybe Cat. Mm. Yeah. I think Cat have like, tight hamstrings and hence wouldn't kick much. <laughs> That's why he never kicked. Should we go for uh, more of a Maverick selection and go for Cat then? Should we go for Cat? I'd go yeah. for Everett, surely. Everett is considerably their top Must be Everett. Oh, well, fine, Everett. Um, I, 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 the best, one of the best centres I've seen play in club rugby in England was Salele Mapasua. That's who yeah. I was going to Mapasua and Cat as the centres. Yep. Definitely. That's a pretty tidy little unit, that. And then wings. Topsy. Definitely Topsy. <laughs> Defo Topsy. Topsy, Tagi Tagi Bow. Yep. Yep. And Dylan as 15. Yes. Pretty good. Oh, no, hold on. Brendan Venter. 
Oh. Brendan Venter well, in the centre. Brendan Venter at 12 ahead of Cat. Not because he's a better player, yeah, but in and a then, better time than and then, and then, then Cat at 10. And then Cat at 10. Yeah, Barry no, Everett. Everett's got to be in there. I'm not having, I'm not having <laughs> Brendan Venter or, or not in that Barry team. Barry Everett sounds like a terrible club singer. <laughs> Barry Everett! <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Barry Everett. Um, Barry Everett. He was just a kick, he was just a kicking machine. I don't, I like the idea, and this is how I want to re- think about London Irish. How about Paul Sackey back in the day? Does that, does Paul get... Sackey was a very good player. Yeah, he was. Oh man, they had some good backs. Yeah, they really did. Uh, I'm going Cat at ten and Venter. I'm overruling Venter and Mapasua. Cool. Your team. Oh, that is. The, uh, uh, you tell me a harder centre pairing than Venter and Mapasua. I love. Mapusua. You tell me two players that run harder lines than that. I would say the old pairing of um, when they had Freddie Tuolangi and the other guy outside of him. I can't remember his name now. It's it, it's annoying me. In fact, any any, any Leicester pairing. <laughs> we're, 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 pretty, uh, uh, we're pretty tough whether it be Anthony Gibson, Allen and Manu no, Anthony Allen no, 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 no Anthony no. Allen is not a Whatever. hard running centre no, I'm, I'm telling you that there's. I don't think there's oh, I've got one for you go on Kevin Mags and Mike Tyndall <laughs> no I, I'd put, what I, um, Kevin Mags Venter and Mapasua would end those two no they would Kevin Mags Kevin Max is one of the hardest men ever ever to set no, foot I'm not, I'm on grass. I'm, I'm telling not you, pitch, on grass. Out, outside of New, <laughs> outside of New Zealand, outside of New Zealand, Venter and Mapasua in their prime would be the centre pairing for every other team in this year's World Cup. <laughs> they would be. No, no, that wasn't the question. The question is who is tougher, harder, Kevin Max, easily. No, I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd that's a warrior. But did you see Mapasua play? Yeah, God, he, he was incredible. He was, mm, he's he had, so hard. He was hard, but he also had some sublime skills. Yeah, yeah I always. Do you know what? I'm glad you said that because I think of him more of a skill player rather than a. Oh, he know, was hard hitter, all round awesome. Mapasua. Yeah, he was. He, he, where, so where did he end up? Japan. He did. Yeah, he went for a couple of years to Japan. So London Irish, there is your fifteen. You can carry on debating it. Tonga at loosehead. David Pace, Routenback, Kennedy, Casey. Danaher, Steffo, Legizamon. Oh, it's Stowers. Anyway, uh, sorry, Stowers at eight. You're right. No, Stowers at eight. Um, Dodge, Cat, Venter, Mapasua, Ojo. Tangy Thackenbao. Tangy And Delon. And Delon. No room for the other Armitage, no? Weird. The oh, other Armitage. Guy. 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 <laughs> Legendary Guy Armitage. Or, um, what's the name of the one who plays at Doncaster? That is Guy, isn't it? No. Uh, I've played against him a few times. Dave. Ian. <laughs> LeSean. Uh I can't remember. <laughs> Derek. Good story. Cool story, bro. He's got a very cool beard. Bevan. Bevan. <laughs> Bevan Armitage. Cool yes. bunch of names, isn't it? Bevan, Guy, Delon and Stefan. It's cool. Yeah. Stefan. Stefan, yeah. Stefan, yeah, not a Stefan. Stefan. There we go, London Irish. Hope you enjoyed your 15. What does that leave us with? That just leaves us with Newcastle then. Newcastle, well, unless we're going to do London Welsh uh, two years. Have we done everyone? We could do, do Worcester. A, we could do a Worcester. We could do a Leeds. Do Leeds, do Worcester. Uh, oh, we could do Rotherham. That would be good fun. Oral. Oral would be great fun. Richmond. Richmond would be amazing <laughs> fun. We're definitely doing um, We're definitely doing Newcastle next time out. Yes. So Newcastle Are we that far down? So yeah. yeah. Let us know at Rugby Podcast. Let us know um, um, who we should pick. Is there anything else on our agenda? Games next week. Oh, yes. Right. Let's get into the games that are coming up this weekend then. And, well, it's big. And the stakes are massive for England. And I don't think Chris, Chris Robshaw, when I heard him talking, was making absolutely no bones about the fact that nothing less than victory will do. I think Lancaster would have liked to have a comfortable win against France. Yeah. 
first team as in the first team comfortable win. Yeah. And then he can play about with some combinations, whereas now he's got to put his absolute nailed on first team and for them to perform against what will be an Irish team seeking a win. Well, is it going to be an Irish team seeking a win? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, well, I always think that these warm-up games go like low, high, low. So you pick your squad, then you pick your best team, and then you kind of pick a team to sort of cool down again. Otherwise, the Irish have been in action four weeks on the bounce. They've been clever with their selections. They've held off picking their team. Yeah. They've got still got a lot of players in camp. I don't think that was... I think that was maybe 50% of their first team. Mm. I don't think it was their, their best team. So yeah, I think so they've now... only put all the big, big players up for Wales. Now, well, they might go do that again, but if they don't play ball and they think, right, well, we're going to ease off, Lancaster might just beat an understrength team. I, I, I worry about Island, this. Island won't ease off. Phrases like easing off. And... No, 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 no. No. The players playing won't, but the selection might. Yeah. If you do pick... Yeah, um, try to think of some bad Irish players in it, and they don't have many. <laughs> but that that would be my point that maybe the Irish select, selection is a little bit uh, undercooked, and then Lancaster's got to go out there and beat these guys. But it's not going to give their team any kind of fulfilment because they've lost their big game against the French starters, and they lost it badly. No, no, no. Okay, no then. Uh, much as Warren Gatland, Warren Gatland managed to spin it, didn't he? And he said, uh, did, he, "Did he manage to spin it? He managed to spin it and said, oh, you know, we, we always knew it was about winning away because that's what we've got to do in the World Cup.' Uh, so yeah, so basically, the game in the Millennium Stadium didn't matter. Oh. So so now, so Stuart Lancaster can say the same thing. He say, well, we've you got we, truly we, we, a we've got to win at Twickenham. Taker, yeah. Look at you scribbling down the notes in your Colonel's hat. All we've got to do is win at Twickenham. All we've got to do is win at Twickenham. That's what we've got to do in the World Cup. So it's all about coming back to Fortress Twickenham. Okay." <laughs> well, I think you will get the win. I don't think. It, I hope it's a full side of uh, a full strength Ireland side. I'm I'm fascinated to find out what England will, England will put out as their strongest well, fifteen I, as well. Ireland will be announcing their uh, World Cup squad in between now and that game, so it will be only players from their. Yeah, 31. so you'd assume it has to be their first their first team. Well, it's still got. It can still feel two full-strength teams from that 31, so yeah. it, it might be. Great bit of maths there from Phil. Did you notice that? My, Superb yeah. maths. And if I'm if I'm not mistaken, there's one left over. There is one left over. <laughs> what? Who is probably the injured Kean Healy. Yes. So they can field two teams plus Kean Healy. Brilliant. You've got a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant mind. Uh, it's just simple maths, JB. I hope that Barrett and Joseph get uh, some rugby together before a World Cup match against Fiji. Well, uh, Barrett might be injured. We, well, we don't, it. We don't uh, actually know. Do we know anything about Barrett? We just don't talk about him because he's not excited. He's got a massive jaw. Yeah, yeah, that's a fact. Um, looks Buzz Lightyear. Granite shoulders, granite but what hands. about his injury? What, what is the well, injury? How long has it been? Lancaster said after the second France game that he was hopeful he would return to training that week. So... A week ago now. So, so you're going to see Joseph and Burgess? Farrell? Farrell? You could see Joseph and... What a mess. Joseph and Farrell with Slade on the bench covering yeah. 12 and 10. Oh, oh wow. Big Sam. You oh, could, we could wow. see Big Sam. Do you know what? It's, just, it's going to be awful, isn't it? I, I hope they do. I hope Ireland have an understrength team and it looks competitive because how awful would it be for England... If I put up the full full strength team, and Robbie Henshaw just runs circles around Burgess, and everyone's up in arms, and the media are on their back, and but they've got to hope for it to go their way. Ireland don't play that J- way. J- I, the way I, Ireland I, are playing, yeah. it will play right into Sam Burgess's hands because it's one up, unless he's yeah. opposite one up runners. No, because he'd just be tackling all day. <laughs> he'd just be smashing people. D- JB, I I wish I could just take little clips of different episodes of the podcast and then play them all next to each other. Because two weeks ago, England are the most tournament ready team. Hey, I uh, love Sam. 
la- last week, uh, England are in an absolute mess. No, look, I love some. I love Sam Burgess. I'm on record saying I love Sam Burgess at six. I think the the, the twelve thing is ridiculous. Although he did do fairly well, I said the backups played well. I stand by that. I thought the first team were atrocious, and that, that's what will be. That's what will be playing the first team. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with. Uh, I'd agree with all of that. Yeah. Be interesting to see the, if the front row um, bounce back and w- with a good bit of well, with some terra firma underneath their feet rather than. Uh, yeah. Rather than the travelator that they have at the Millennium <laughs> Stadium, uh, uh, the Millennium Stadium. Whether they can uh, uh, the uh, Stade Stade de France, France. they can same those two pitches. Yeah, yeah, they can assert a bit of dominance. But um, we'll be here after the game to to talk about that. So the other games are you know, Georgia are playing Japan, Wales play Italy, uh, France play Scotland as well. That's interesting. I would imagine going away to France that Scotland will not play their first. Teddy, team. Teddy Thomas nowhere, yeah. to, nowhere, nowhere to be seen. Teddy Thomas. Yeah, Teddy Thomas. I guess he'd been cut from the squad a long, long time ago. Yeah, he's nowhere near it. Such a shame. <laughs> Such I'm... a shame for teams playing against them. Oh, well, yeah. You just kick, kick into the corner. If, yeah, if he concedes three but scores four, I'd have him. <laughs> uh, and Canada plays Fiji on Sunday. And USA play Australia. And USA play Australia. Soldier right. Field. Um, and then the, the championship starts this weekend as well. Oh, does it? Yeah. Wow. There is two weeks of... Final preparations, and then two weeks on Saturday. It's the big one. It's not Friday. It's Friday. Two the, weeks on Friday, yeah. The, the 18th. Yeah, because yeah, I always like that Friday night start. It feels very special. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited now. I know, I'm really excited. How do you see it going, um, England Island, Phil? I'd reserve judgment until I've seen the squads, but I'll probably say the same as I said before the second French France game, in the solid performance, solid platform from the, the pack, Whoever plays ten to control the game and no injuries. That, that's all I'd want. I'd be happy with that that kind of performance. I I, I kind of think differently. I I kind of think England have have to win. Well, luckily it's warm up games, so, so, so you don't have to. And I think no. I think part of these warm up games, we do lose sight of what they're there for. They're to harden the players ready for the tournament. I think there needs to be a bit more of a nuanced view. So I'm, I'm same as Phil. I'm going to reserve judgment. No, and I would say I, I kind of I kind of disagree. It's when you get to the World Cup, it isn't about being in great physical shape. It's about it is it massively is. Well, no, well, no that's oh. that, that's important. But I guess what I'm saying is actually you're right. You don't have to win in a warm up match. But conversely, if you want to look at like flip it 180 degrees, you have to win in the World yeah. Cup. It, and it, yes. The performance in the World Cup, the performance does not matter. It can be as ugly as you like. It is all about the outcome. Mm-hmm. How you get there is irrelevant. So I'm saying, conversely, for that reason, we have to be Ireland. Ignore everything else. Ignore how they play. Just yeah. win by one point. Yeah, uh, yeah I, we'll have to see what the, what, the te- what the teams are like and go from there, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back after the game to talk about it. In the meantime, at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening. Leave your reviews on iTunes. Download and listen on the ACAST app. And we will see you next time. Nice one, JB. Thank you, Tim. Nice one, Phil. Cheers, Tim. Very good. Three cheers for Sarah Bombo. Very good. Very good. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.